Thank you, guys. Tiger doesn't tee off for a few more minutes, so you're okay. Some of that just went right over your head. Hey, um, when Jesus entered into the public scene, here's what happened. The entire world was flipped upside down. Because wherever Jesus went, wherever Jesus walked, wherever Jesus was uh, wandering through, whether it be in the northern part of Galilee or down anywhere between the Galilee region and Jerusalem, the crowds just kept on building larger and larger and larger. And, and so what happened is uh, that Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem on that day that we saw in the videos so well uh, portrayed just a few minutes ago. And as Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem, uh, there was this large crowd of people that were so excited because they had heard so much about him. Many of them had never seen Jesus before. Some of them had never heard about Jesus before. And so all of a sudden, here comes this person that they've been hearing about. And, and, the, and the scripture says, and they cut off branches and they took off their jackets and they threw them on the ground and they put them on the back of the donkey. And as they rode it into the city of Jerusalem, uh, Jesus and his disciples, people were crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, can you picture that in your mind's eye? Can you, visualize, can you visualize that in your mind's eye? Can you, can you visualize how a little child standing over here in the corner and they're, and they're watching Jesus come in on the back of the donkey and, and the little children are crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David. And you hear this older woman over here saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then you see a congregation over here saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna in the highest. And there was this excitement. There was this joy about what was going to be happening because the, the Prince of Peace was coming into the city of Jerusalem. Can you imagine that? Because here's what's happening in our world today. What's happening in our world today is that we come to this moment in time. We come to this moment in time called Palm Sunday. And we so frequently just want to skip right over it because we want to be thinking about what's going to happen on Monday, Thursday. What's going to happen on Good Friday. What's going to happen on a dark Saturday. What's going to happen on Easter Sunday morning. And we just skip right over this significant time in the Scriptures. So my question for you today is this. How do you want to receive the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem, or more importantly, into your heart, your mind, your soul today? Is today any different for you than any other Sunday? Is today any different for you uh, than any other day of the year? Or can you anticipate, can you claim that God has something to say to you about what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, seeing the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem, seeing the triumphal entry of Jesus into the city of Fort Myers, seeing the triumphal entry of Jesus into the sanctuary called Cypress Lake United Methodist Church? Can you envision what that might mean for you? If you take out your, the Bible that you brought with you, you take out uh, the, 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 the Bible that's right in front of you, and if you turn to the New Testament, 
to the very beginning of the New Testament, and you look at the gospel according to Matthew. And then you, and then you put your finger there, and you turn to the gospel of, of Mark, and then you turn to the gospel of Luke, then you turn to the gospel of John. Very few stories are in each of the Gospels. Many of the stories are in one Gospel, but not another Gospel. But the story of Palm Sunday, the story of the triumphal entry of Jesus, is highlighted in each of the four Gospels. It's what distinguishes this story from all other stories in the Scripture. It it, it gives us an, an idea from each of the gospel writers um, who, who, who were seeing it from their own perspective. They were using their own filter of what happened on that first Palm Sunday. So here, here's what I want to do in the next few minutes that I have with you. I want to look at, the, at three aspects, three things, three aspects of the Scripture Uh, that can literally change your world, can flip your world upside down if we will just hear uh, what the Word has to say to us today. Here's the first thing I want to share with you today. I want you to notice, I want you to take a good look at how Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem. You might want to take out your teaching notes that are in your programs. Uh, and, And I just want you to and we're going to talk about how Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem. We're going to notice that. And then we're going to look at the reaction of the crowd to his coming. How, how did the crowd back then react to Jesus? How, how do we react to Jesus coming into our lives in a new way today? And then I want to be asking you, you know, what is the meaning of Palm Sunday for you today? What is the meaning of Palm Sunday for you today? So let's look at the beginning. Uh, Notice how Jesus entered into the city, to the holy city of Jerusalem. It was a time of what we call Passover. Uh, I've been spending quite a bit of time uh, the the last three weeks as we've been having the interfaith dialogue um, uh, uh, times on Wednesday evenings uh, between my uh, Jewish friends, my Muslim friend, and, uh, and three Christian congregations. And as I've been talking with Rabbi Luna and Rabbi Sack, we've been talking a lot about Passover. And, and Passover is, is a time back then uh, when, when people who lived within a geographical area around Jerusalem, uh, it, it was encouraged that they would go into the city of Jerusalem so that they could be there for the Passover. Now, because of that, the, the city streets were just filled with people. It was crowded. Uh, people were everywhere. It was hard to find accommodations. It was hard to find food. It was hard uh, just to get around in the city of Jerusalem. Now, here's what I like to think about. Because so many of us in the Christian church don't know the meaning of Passover. We, we, we come and we listen uh, uh, to the story of Jesus, but we don't know some of the historical elements of what makes it so prominent and why is it so important. So let me just share with you, if you've maybe never heard about Passover and the significance in our Judeo tradition of our faith, because this is important for us. And I need to take you back now to 1467 B.C., before Christ. 
1467. Actually, I need to take you back 80 years before that. And 80 years before uh, 1467, what we have is a, a child, a young baby, born to Hebrew parents. Now, this baby is given the name Moses. Moses uh, was, was, was birthed into this world of conflict. The Pharaoh of Egypt, who had taken the children of Israel, only the select best children of Israel, uh, when he went and conquered that area and he brought these slaves back to Egypt, he only took the best. And what happened was that the Jewish population started to grow and grow so fast that the Pharaoh thought there were too many Jews, so he had to get rid of some of the Jews. And the way that he decided to do that is that he decided that he was going to take uh, some of the first newborn children and he was going to drown them in the River Nile. Great guy, right? And, and so he thought, I'm going to be able to discipline uh, the, the population growth of the Jews. And so um, Moses' parents, rather than having him killed, uh, built a basket and put him in a basket, floated him the basket down uh, the river, uh, down to the summer palace of, of the Pharaoh. And there, the Pharaoh's daughter found the basket, many of you know the story, and took the basket out and raised Moses as her own son, living in the house of the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh was like the father to Moses. Moses had the best education. Moses had the greatest opportunity. Moses uh, was a great architect of much of what we now know to be some of the great pyramids in Egypt, some of the great archaeological information that we find is dated back to the time of Moses and beyond. And so what we find is that one day, Moses learns his true identity. And Moses uh, goes and, 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 he, and he confronts the, the, the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh realizes that he cannot have a, a son um, uh, who's Jewish in, in birth, and, and rather than having him killed, he sent him out into the desert where he would certainly die. But before Moses died, he was found by the daughters of the high priest of Midian. And there they took him in, they healed him, and years later uh, he, he married one of the daughters. He then became a shepherd, and he was out in the field keeping watch over the flock. And uh, Moses uh, didn't have any desire to do anything else but be a lowly shepherd, one of the lowest positions on the face of the earth at that time. And so um, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. God says, Moses, I, I want you to go now, and I want you to go back to Pharaoh, uh, and I want you to tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. And the Pharaoh receives the message, and he says, heck no, they're my slaves. And so um, uh, God gives to Moses and to the, uh, and to the Egyptians ten um, 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 plagues, thank you, ten plagues. Uh, the last plague was... Uh, that uh, the angel of death would come down and kill all the firstborn children, males. And, um, uh, but God said to uh, the Hebrew people, uh, go and, and slay a lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and put it on the doorpost uh, over, over your house. And so when the angel of death comes, uh, that the angel of death will see uh, the, the blood of the lamb 
over the door and the angel of death will pass over the Jewish house and only kill uh, the Egyptian children. Then Moses goes back to the Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And he does. And for 40 years, they wander in the wilderness and finally they enter into the promised land. That was one of God's first, uh, second, third attempts uh, to break into the chaos and to the darkness of that world. Uh, another one would be, you, we remember would be uh, Noah's Ark, when God tried to create a new land. And, and so now we have Moses uh, trying to become a man of God to deliver the children of God out of slavery and captivity. So we have all of this. That's why the people were there. They were celebrating uh, that God had passed over them and that they were now given new life. So now fast forward again, 1,467 years, and we're back to the time of Jesus entering into the city of Jerusalem during Passover. And what we have is that Moses, I'm sorry, that Jesus uh, has traveled all the way from the northern part of Israel, Galilee area, all the way down to Jerusalem, some 85 miles. And he's traveled with his disciples by foot. And as Jesus approaches the city of Jerusalem, there's a small little village called Bethphage. And Bethphage uh, is, is sitting there, and Jesus and his disciples stop at, at the city. And before they go into the city of Jerusalem, Jesus turns to two of his disciples, and he says, I want you now to go into the city of Bethphage, and there you'll find a, a donkey, a, a, a young colt uh, there, and I want you to untie it and bring it to me. And Jesus says, and if anyone should ask you why you're doing this, Jesus gives them the answer, and they say, uh, the Lord has instructed us to do this. And the men let them take the donkey. And so they go back, and they get Jesus, and they put him on the back of the donkey. They put their jackets on first, and then the crowd is building, and the crowd is just becoming excited about Jesus coming into the city. And, 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 and isn't it interesting that Jesus had walked all the way from Galilee, 80 miles now, 83 miles, to the city of Bethphage, and then decides that he's going to get on the back of a donkey. You know, my mindset would have been, why didn't he do that in the first place and saved himself? But he didn't. Well, here's the reason why he didn't. You have to go back all the way back to the prophecy of, of the Old Testament, the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, and there's a prophecy about how Jesus is going to enter into the city or how the Messiah is going to enter into the city of Jerusalem. Here, read this. Rejoice greatly, daughters, daughter Zion. Shout, daughters of Jerusalem. Uh, see, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, what Jesus had to do is, is he had to look all the way back because of his being a rabbi. He knew the prophecy of the book of Zechariah, and he knew that he had to come in on the back of a donkey in order for him to be truly the Messiah that God was sending to redeem the people of God. Now, do you think that this is the way people wanted to receive the Messiah? Heck no. They didn't want to do it this way. They, 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 were, they were thinking, well, uh, the, the, the Jesus or the Messiah that we know, the one that God is going to send, is going to come in on a chariot 
uh, ornate uh, with gold all over it, and, and, and that's the way he's going to come in. Or at least uh, he's going to come in riding on a white stallion with a big sword and a shield, and he's going to come in to, to redeem the people. And that's not, that's not how Jesus came. The Messiah came just as it was prophesied in the book of Zechariah. I will come on the back of a donkey. I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus came to fulfill the prophecy. And the people there began to understand who this prophet named Jesus was soon to be, in all their eyes, the Messiah of the world. So we need to know how Jesus entered the city. Now let me just share, share one more thing with you. Um, there's a legend. Uh, I, I don't know how factual this is, but there's a legend that said at the same time that Jesus was riding into the city of Jerusalem uh, on our first Palm Sunday, that Pontius Pilate, the, the perfecter, the uh, the, the regional director, uh, governor of Judea for Rome was coming in uh, the other side of the city riding on a white stallion. And so you have this tension in the story of Jesus coming in on the back of a donkey and of the Pontius Pilate, the perfecter of, of Rome, the power of that time coming in on a white stallion. Because you can imagine the tension in these two scenes. Now let me invite you to think about how did the people react? How, how did the people react to, to, to this Messiah, this, this guy that they've been listening uh, to, this, this guy that they have been hearing about? How, how did the people react? If you go to the Gospel of Mark, right there at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, uh, what we have here is, is the story of the people were cutting down uh, the branches and putting them down on the ground. But there's only one place in the entire four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, that it ever talks about palms. And that's in the Gospel of John. John is the one who says that I've come uh, and the people were cutting down the palm fronds and people were waving the palm fronds. The reason we do this is because one of the things that John noticed was that the people were cutting down the palm fronds. Here's what happened. Can you imagine that day? Can you imagine that scene? And all the excitement, all the anticipation, everything was, was building, and Jesus comes in, and people are saying, we have a victory, finally. We have the one that we've been waiting for. We have the one uh, that we are so excited to receive. We have the one that God has chosen to come in. And we have all this, this sense of victory Victory at last, victory, freedom in Jesus. We are no longer going to be captives to the, to the Romans. We are no longer going to be slaves to anybody else. We are going to be free. And so a large population of people received Christ that way. But here's another part of the group. Part of the group, just like a part of the group sitting here, because this is as true today as it was back in the time of Jesus, uh, there were people called cynics. We don't have any cynics in this room, do we? We have, we have people who are cynics. Uh, people who were saying, you know, wait a second. Uh, they're, they're probably the ones who were standing on the balcony looking down o over the parade. And they were, the, the people were saying, 
Uh, this can't be uh, the Messiah. This can't be the one that we've been waiting for all this time. This absolutely cannot be the one who, 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 who is supposed to be the prince, the Messiah, uh, the one who's going to give us uh, grace and love uh, no matter what. This, this can't be the guy. Riding on a donkey? You've got to be kidding me. It would be as if, if Jesus was riding into our parking lot right now and he would be coming in on an old beat-up Volkswagen van uh, uh, with, the, with the, the type of sunroof that you have to used to roll back. This was my car back in the teens. And, 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 so, and Jesus would be sticking his head out of the top and, 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 and we would say, there's no way that Jesus is going to come into uh, to the city of Fort Myers, coming to Cypress Lake United Methodist Church in an old beat-up Volkswagen bus impossible. We want Jesus in a Rolls Royce, or at least a Mercedes. And that's our cynicism. That's how many of us are cynics. But there's a, a large group of pop people in this room today who, who are people who are straddling the fence. And you've been straddling the fence for a very long time. You've been straddling the fence. Some days when, when we get excited about the story of Jesus, when we get excited about who Jesus is, oh, we start saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And we get so excited about that. But then as events go by, and we don't see Jesus coming uh, to give us freedom, and, or uh, personal freedom, but uh, rather collective freedom. But we don't feel it. And so all of a sudden, we, we lose Jesus here on Sunday and by Thursday and Friday. We're part of the group when, 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 he, when we're offered, do you want Brabus or do you want Jesus? We're saying, give us Jesus to crucify. We want Brabus back, a murderer. And many of us are, 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 are fence-walking. There are days in our lives when we feel so excited that we are a, a son or a daughter of God, that we are a son or a daughter of the Messiah, that we are a son and a daughter of the one true Jesus Christ who came to redeem the world, and that there are other days in our lives when we mock Jesus, when we forget about Jesus, when we speak evil about Jesus, when we use the name of Jesus Christ in vain. And that's our reality. We may want to deny that. We may want to say, that never happens to me. And you'd be lying to yourself. Even the ones who were closest to Jesus, even the ones closest to Jesus, uh, gave up on Jesus. Think about Judas. He had traveled with Jesus for three years. He had traveled with Jesus uh, to, to be a part of all that ministry that led him right to the city of, of Jerusalem. And here we have Judas who's going to betray Jesus. But might it be possible that what Judas was really trying to say to Jesus is, look at uh, what you prophesied about and how you're living out the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9 9 isn't going to work in our culture today. You've got to come in on the white stallion. You've got to come in and waving that big sword. You've got to come in and, and, and be victorious over all the people. You've got to kick the Romans out of the city of Jerusalem. You've got to be able to do this. And maybe, just maybe, we look at Judas and we say, maybe Judas had a different motive or a different way of getting to uh, what he wanted but he didn't listen to the voice of God. And so Jesus says, here I am. I am the Messiah. I am the one who comes to give you new life. I am the one who comes 
to give you new birth. I am the one who comes to give you a newness about life that you've never been able to experience before. Or maybe you're part of the group called the curious. Curiosity seekers. You're warm one day, cold another day. You're just curious. If you're here today for the very first time in a church or maybe for the first time in a long time and you're just curious about this Jesus guy, I'm glad you're here. I think we all get here because we're curious at one time or another. I I like this quote, though, by Eric uh, Hoffer. Eric Hoffer writes these words, When people are free to do as they please, they usually imitate each other. Who are you imitating by being here today? Are you imitating anyone other than yourself? Are you here because you want to please the one that you're sitting next to right now? Is that why you're here? Well, I'm glad you're here. But it's got to go a step further. I just simply want to encourage you, take the ride of Holy Week. Take the experiences of Holy Week. Go from the victorious entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem and see where God is leading you into your future. So why are you here? Why are you here this Palm Sunday. Are you here for the victory of Jesus into the city? Are you here because you're a cynic and you're just trying to say, prove it to me? Are you here and you're straddling the fence? Are you here because you have a curiosity? For whatever reason you're here, I would simply say you're not here by mistake. God has a plan. God has a purpose for you. Let me invite the band to come up. I want you to know that God's plan and God's purpose for you is one that says that I want to give you new life in Christ. And I think it can happen right now as we begin to think about uh, how we move into this week of Palm Sunday and of Jesus going in on Monday uh, to the, to the, to the uh, temple and turning over the money changers and how Jesus is going and going to have the last meal and, and the uh, blessing of, of the washing of the feet, of how Jesus is going to be dragged away and he's going to be whipped and scourged almost to death. I think we can find something new and fresh in this story because God says, I want you to have new life in Christ. I want you to have a moment in time in which you have this personal, intimate relationship with Christ like you've never had before. That's what God wants for you. And I think the journey can begin right now on Palm Sunday. So why are you here? I pray this one blessing upon you, that you're here because you want to begin a journey. You want to begin a pilgrimage that will lead you from where you are in your spiritual formation, whatever that may be, whether you be a lifelong uh, follower of Christ or you're just starting. God says, I want you to begin a journey, a new journey in me. And it begins on Palm Sunday.